stories brought to you by Refuge Ministries Canada. For the next half hour, your hearts will be filled with hope as you hear real-life stories from individuals that have been changed by the power of God. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories. I'm your guest host, Johnny T. And today my guest is Todd Armstrong. Todd is an individual who has had some unique, traumatic experiences in life. He's had some incredible turnarounds and has some amazing insights into who God is and what God's done in his life. Todd, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me here, Johnny. It's an honor to be a part of Refuge Freedom Stories. I was reading through your bio earlier. I said, man, this guy has been through a lot. Give us a little bit of background on your journey towards God and how he revealed himself to you. How I started on my journey to God was I was actually in a prison cell seven years ago, and I prayed to God my 90th day in jail, and I said, God, this is not for me. Can you please help me? Can you change me? I don't remember exactly what I asked for, but something to that effect is the first time I prayed and well over a decade, probably about 12 years. And even when I did pray before that, I wasn't really into God necessarily. For me, I was baptized Methodist as a child. And we went to Sunday school every few Sundays from the age of five to 10. But that's all my consistency with God really was. So I didn't have a great understanding. And then Sunday school, we didn't read the Bible. It was different little passages that that you might read, fun little stories. And I wasn't going on a consistent basis. So I didn't know anything about the Bible. So when I prayed to God, it was like this generic God, the almighty, whatever. And then that has rolled into me being saved by Jesus Christ through an injury that I received while working. And in this three-day process of being injured and burning tobacco for no apparent reason, which turns out to be a Native American way to ward off evil spirits, between that, drinking some tea to relieve my back pain, and laughing with my daughter and my girlfriend, Mimi, extensively laughing, I then kind of threw up demons in the way that uh, deliverance would happen. And I didn't have anyone here helping me. It was always Jesus leading me the entire way. And the only words that came to mind were Jesus Christ just saved my life. And I was in bliss for about 10 straight days. Wow. Read about those things in the Bible. And I've been in places and experienced that and seen that myself too. It's quite an eye-opening thing. Obviously, if you're going through that, you're really coming to know the power of God. Oh, yeah. A lot of times people will say that you're experiencing what your perception of God is. So when I talk about Jesus Christ, I'm very adamant with people that I didn't have a perception of Jesus Christ before he saved my life. Even when I was praying seven years ago, I wasn't praying to Jesus. I didn't have a real concept. Some people think he's the son of God. Some people think he is God, you know, different versions of that. I didn't even have that kind of concept. I just knew Jesus was a character in the Bible, and I'm not trying to diminish him when I say character, but uh, someone in the Bible, and that's all I knew. I knew different names of different people, but I didn't know the significance behind them. So I really try to stress to people that when I say Jesus Christ saved my life, it's not something that I had in my subconscious. This is not something that was existing in me and that I'm only experiencing like this because it is how I could handle it. No, this is something completely foreign to what I thought life was. And he came into my life and saved me. 
you've experienced Christ in your life, and the Bible tells us that God takes the scales off our eyes and we can see the world for what it truly is. How does that compare to the way that your focus was of life before? My entire life was materialistic. It was hypersexualization. It was drug addiction. It was feeding the self, uh, living by the fleshly nature, if you will. All of the things that I was seeing around me, all of my media influence through TVs, movies, music, etc., all of those things shaped my worldview to be, okay, this is what I should be going after. This is how I should be living, which is why I kind of rebelled against God, not kind of did rebel against God for that 10-year period, because I looked around and I saw all these celebrities and famous people that never talked about God, never went to church, never did any of this stuff. To me at that age, very impressionable. I remember having the thought, oh, there is no God, because if there was, then they wouldn't be where they were. And now what I know now, I understand that when you get to do certain things like that, it's because you're giving yourself over to something else. God is not of this world, which Jesus talks about very heavily, that we are in this world, but we are not of this world. Like you said, everything now has changed for me where I am trying to live by the spirit. I am trying to please God by helping others. And it's not like someone who's begging, please forgive me for all my stuff. I've, I've done this, of course, but I want to help my fellow man and women in my life because that is what God wants me to do. And I inherently know it. It's a feeling inside me that makes me feel good when I help others. So it's no longer about me. It's no longer about material desires or sexualization. I really had to overcome a lot of different things one by one. God just took away addictions, 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 all different facets of my life. And now I am just living by the truth that is Jesus Christ, that he wants us to be as humans. He says in his word that whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Yes, sir. You're right. The world has a perception about Christians and Christianity. The enemy comes in and twists it and turns it to make it seem like a farce and all that kind of stuff. But there's no way that anybody in your circle of influence that knows you or would have known you in the past can argue with how God's changed your life. Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing is, so I moved 750 miles from Pennsylvania to Georgia. And at this beginning of my spiritual awakening, I didn't have Christ in my life at the time, but I was still spiritually awakening, becoming more aware of what was going on in the world. People could see that I was objectively a better person than when I was a drug addict and so on and so forth. I was coaching softball at the time, coaching basketball as well. I was participating in all the youth club meetings. I was just going around helping people in different ways. And now that I'm where I am and I still have different friends on Facebook that live up there, I post on there and I ask the question, because now I do have Jesus in my life very strongly. I say, do you see that Jesus is real? Do you evaluate who I was and the things I was promoting before versus who I am now and what I promote now? Do you see that it was by his grace that I've been chosen by him to do the things that I've done to be where I am to help those who I help? And it is 
not by accident. Can you guys reflect on that? And Jesus talked about this in the Bible, that people in your hometown don't Mm. recognize it. I don't know why they can't, but they just really don't. But anyone else on the outside who just knows me now, they can't imagine who I used to be. And then when I bring up these old stories and so on and so forth, and I tell people I was 280 pounds, they're blown away. They're like, no, no way. You don't look like you could have been that big. You don't look like you could have been a drug addict and all these other things. But yeah, I was very much for Satan at that time, you know, the adversary of humanity. That's who I was pleasing, even though I didn't know that's what I was doing. So my life is objectively better. It's not just a perception by anyone. My life is objectively better. And it's all through the grace of Jesus Christ. God tells us that you can judge a tree by its fruit. Exactly. And I'm helping people out. I offer guidance now to people. I help bring them to Jesus Christ. I help unburden them by, I have a very strong connection with him. And I just take their energy from them that they don't know how to get rid of and just like pass it on up to him. Just the same way that you or any other lifelong Christian has been doing. And unknowingly, you just give your burdens away that some people don't know how to do that. I was one of them. And now that I know how to do that, I help others really get to Christ themselves. And I don't work with people all that long because getting them to the creator, like, no, you don't need me. You know, there's a well that dries up over here. Well, you go to that well, that never dries up. Amen. That's for sure. And no, I'm not a lifelong Christian. I've had my share of trauma and things like that in my life too. So amen to God being a deliverer. That's for sure. And I've had similar experience people in, in my past when all of a sudden your life makes a 180 degree turn and you're walking towards God and like, who are you? Do I really know you? Like, what are you talking about? You know, I remember a friend of mine came up to me at work and we were heading up to the control room of the place we were working at. And he says, uh, he walks up and he says, Johnny, he says, what really happened to you? (laughs) You're right. Like people can't argue with the, with the facts because they are facts of how your life has changed. And I think that that causes them, if they have any idea or any search in them about God, it it causes them to reflect. Oh, absolutely. And I think that the people who don't want to accept it, and now this may be a little projection for me, but they don't want to look at that they can better themselves. They were comfortable when they were looking down upon me that they're telling themselves they're a good person, that they don't need to change. Look how bad everyone else is around me, not just me, but everyone else is bad. But then to see where I've risen to, and not that I'm higher than anybody else, but that I've objectively changed my life in a better way, that now they look at that as, well, I just don't want to see that. That's just some crazy talk over there that that's not something that I need in my life. It's really a thing where people don't want to stop sinning. They don't want to acknowledge that they are sinning because once you're aware of it, then you have this moral dilemma. Do I stop or do I just continue to live in sin? And this is kind of why the Pharisees killed our creator, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because he was showing them that they could be doing things better and didn't want to be shown that. They wanted to observe themselves as perfect he was there and well you guys are pretty far from perfect even though he wasn't necessarily just attacking them he was just 
showing them how they could be better by him living his own life. And people don't really want to see that when they don't want to give up that life. But like you said, when someone does have that inkling that they could be better, then it drives them. And it really, they are, they're like, okay, I want what this guy has. How can I get this? God says no one comes to the father unless God draws them. Once God starts drawing you, then you definitely have a choice to make. Do I want to come to that place where I realize yes, my life's not what it should be and that isn't in line with God's word? Or do I want to throw that aside and continue on in the darkness? There's a big decision. Everybody comes to that crossroad in their life. There's no question about that. One of the traps of the enemy is to get people to judge others and look down on others. In the Bible, we hear about the Pharisees bringing a woman and throwing her in front of Jesus and saying, we caught this woman living in adultery. We're going to stone her. And Jesus quietly rode in the sand. And all of a sudden, they all started walking away one by one. Finally, Jesus goes, uh, woman, where are your accusers? And, well, there's nobody here. And he says, well, I don't accuse you either. He says, whoever has no sin can throw the first stone. And of course, who can say that? Say that's really the thing is, and he says it in many different ways. He's quoted, how can you get the speck of dust out of your brother's eye when you yourself have the plank in your own eye? If you remove the plank from your own eye, you will see clearly how to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. And it's this really the same thing being said in a vastly different way. Don't judge others judge yourself on the basis where you think you should be judging others and telling others what to do, do that to yourself. And then once you heal yourself enough and get yourself to greater understanding, then you will see how to help and not to stone somebody, but how to help them get the sin off of them or get the speck out of their eye, so to speak. You've talked about some of the things that God does for us and helping us to recognize those planks in our own eyes and recognize our own sin and things like that. Have you ever struggled with knowing and accepting God's love, probably prior to your relationship with Christ? But since then, has that been part of your journey as well? Did some of those things from the past kind of hang on for a while until God set you free from those? And how did that translate into understanding his love for you individually? Before I kept piling on all the different things, and it just made it further and further from feeling that. But once I did start this awakening process, as I'll call it, because I think uh, like three and a half years ago, I was completely spiritually dead. Right now, I can say that I feel God's love all the time. But during this three and a half year process, there has been times, especially before I knew Jesus, there were times where I would still feel unworthy. There were times where I still felt I would just think about my sin of things that I've done and said, well, I, I, this, I can't possibly help others. I'm not a good person. And I was really hard on myself. That's that negative self-talk that we sometimes have. And for other people, it's worse than everyone else. But there was a point of contention for me with, with different aspects. Well, once I found Jesus, or actually once I was saved by Jesus, not that I found him, once he saved me, I haven't struggled with feeling the love from God on a daily basis. I was seeking it out in different ways before Jesus, where I would get 
it in big spurts, but then there were low times as well. Instead of being an even keel straight across the way it is now, it would be up and down and up and down. Once I was really found and saved by him and like plucked out of that, it's been nothing but a smooth ride. And of course, there's bumps and bruises all along the way. It's Mm -hmm. not that everything goes perfect and I don't have hard times. Just the other day, I was going through a difficult time, but I never once questioned, does Jesus love me? Why am I going through this? If Jesus loved me, why would I be experiencing this? That's never a thought that passed in my mind. It was an understanding that I had some stuff to deal with and that he was there with me. He was just allowing me to work it out so that I could get it out of my system, so to speak. That's really important that people understand that God's not only a personal God and he knows each of us, well, he created each of us uniquely and he, so he knows us uniquely in what we need, but he's also there, as you said, in the tough times to help us overcome those things. And, and we grow through that. Yeah. I got this WWJD bracelet. I don't know if you can see, but yep. uh, what would Jesus do? I've put myself or I, as best as I can, I put myself in his thought pattern. Okay. How would he handle the situation? And that's how I know I'm never alone because it's not my own thoughts that are leading me to become a better person because my own thoughts led me to become a criminal who was addicted to drugs and so on and so forth. But when I gave myself over to a higher power, my life started getting better. And when I specifically made a covenant with Jesus Christ, that's when I had an even greater understanding of things. So it really does evolve your relationship and your understanding. And you start to see that, oh, this isn't me making these decisions because I made all these other decisions. And not that a person can't change. Obviously, they can. But it's not my own doing that has guided me to this point. Right. God tells us that it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. When we make that covenant, as you said, with God, and we truly give our lives to him, then the onus on us is to live like Christ lives in the world. Yeah, 100%. That's why I, you know, before I would listen to loud uh, music that was offensive. So now I listen to loud music, praising Jesus. Now (laughs) I used to wear clothes that said different slogans and all. So now I wear clothes that talk about Jesus because I wasn't ashamed then. Why would I be ashamed now? He saved my life and I want everyone to know it. So I am very proud of Jesus Christ. I have no shame in me at all. Even when I talk about some hard truths on my podcast, even on my website, as you're saying in my bio, I have some very hard truths in there that I have to just be honest because being truthful is what has guided me closer and closer to Jesus. And Jesus is what? The, the way, the truth, and the life. So that aspect of being truthful, no matter what, even when it's super difficult, and I really don't want to be in that position, I feel compelled to be truthful. And then it just it works in so much abundance that it helps other people. It helps me as a byproduct. It helps me get closer to the creator and not because I'm trying to get closer to the creator, just because I feel compelled by the creator to be truthful because he's telling me it's going to help people. So do this. So I do it. And a byproduct is it gets me closer to him. Amen. 
on that topic, tell our audience about your podcast and about your website and what they can find on each of those. My podcast is Godcast, the Goodness Over Darkness podcast. And in there, I go over a lot of different types of things. Uh, early on, it's my story. 13 episodes are my uh, all of the things I went through. Then I start to talk to different people about spiritual awakening just in general. From there, I get some conspiratorial type of stuff. So I really cover a vast amount of thing. I also do a lot of health types of things like parasite cleanses. And I try to really talk to people and hear their story, hear their expertise in one way or another, and get a good conversation going that other people can relate to. So it covers a lot of different things on my podcast. Your website? Yeah. And my website's emmanuelkingman.com, which is I-M-M-A-N-U-E-L kingman.com, which is a name that Jesus gave me when I was written into the book of life. So I do go by Emmanuel Kingman from time to time. That's how I introduce myself on my podcast. And when I'm a guest on podcast, it doesn't matter to me, but sometimes they'll call me Todd, sometimes Emmanuel, because it's just the name that was given to me when I was written into the book of life. On my website, you can see I have vast amounts of spiritual gifts that I can help people with. I have photos on my website of the clouds, which are very strange, but they are the forms of different faces. And Jesus is one of them. And this was during my original awakening period as I started to be able to see spirit in the clouds. And Jesus was the very first face that I saw. It was incredible. I couldn't believe it. And at that time, I didn't have a concept of Jesus. I just knew it was him when I saw him. And I do different mentorship programs, guidance types of programs that you guys can find on there. I have all the video portions of my podcast are on there, as well as my YouTube, which is Goodness Over Darkness on YouTube. I also have breakdowns of the Book of Enoch series. Enoch is a great tool. And I have a three-part series on that. And I spend 45 minutes on part three, just talking about the Son of Man references that are in the Book of Enoch, which is quite incredible since that was before the Bible even existed. He was being prophesied about. I also have another breakdown series of covered up history, different things, alternative ideas, understandings that we've come to because the mainstream narrative kind of runs into itself and puts itself in a place where it's contradictory. So I do stuff like that as well. And that's on my YouTube and on my website. I'm going to ask you, if you're going to leave our audience with one thought about God, what would that be? Hmm, one thought about God. Okay. So I'm going to try to speak to the audience that I feel is very Christian and very understanding with God, but are still curious as to what Jesus Christ may actually represent. Like I said, and even amongst Christians, we're not sure. We say the Son of God, He is God. We're not, we're not in full agreement. So I'll say what I've come to learn as someone who wasn't in understanding of Jesus is that Jesus is the creator of Adam and Eve. Jesus created them to bring everybody back to himself. And he came down here and he had one shot at being human. And he chose that life to be Yeshua. And he did all the things that he did. 
And then when he died on the cross, he became so much more. He became the life essence of all of us. He became our moral compasses. He is the light of our lives. And all we need to do is look to him in order to see the truth from the lies. He was the creator from the beginning, but it also took him to physically come down here and die on the cross to then become the creator in a new sense, so to speak. So he is God. He is the son of God because he outside of here, he's God, the son of God in here. And he is all of it wrapped into one package called Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible says that Jesus was also called the last Adam. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. And he made right. Adam in his own image, right? He made man in his image. Correct. Thanks so much for being here, Todd. Thanks so much for being here, Emmanuel. I appreciate your time with us. I'm hoping that our audience will check out your podcast and your website. I'm sure that it's going to help some people. So God bless you so much. Yeah, God bless you as well. And thank you so much for having me. And thank you to the audience for being here and listening to my story. I really appreciate all of you. Amen. Amen. There is a truth older than the ages. There is a promise of things yet to come. There is one born for our salvation. Jesus Who walks on the waters Who speaks to the sea Who stands in the fire beside me He rose like a lion He bled as the lamb He carries my healing in His hand you have enjoyed the last half hour as much as I did. Thank you again to Refuge Ministries Canada for hosting the show. So until next Friday, may God richly bless you with peace, love, and happiness. We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. That's 519-701-0108. God bless you.